Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What? more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, They make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morningcup. 
Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. We would all love to believe in rehabilitation. That just because someone makes some poor decisions doesn't mean our society should give up on them. Especially if those decisions start out as small, pettier crimes. But what happens when those decisions, those crimes, happen over and over and over again, getting worse along the way? Should we continue letting them leave the confines of a prison? On December 4th, 1940, a man was born who started out small and ended with the murder of two strangers. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Gary Mark Gilmore, born Faye Robert Kaufman on December 4th, 1940, came into a family marked by a criminal past. His father, an alcoholic con man with many wives, married his mother, a Mormon outcast, on a whim, and the two moved to Texas, where they had Faye while living under the assumed name of Kaufman. When the family left Texas, his mother changed his name to Gary, a bone of contention within the marriage. And years later, when Gary found his old birth certificate, he assumed he was either kidnapped or illegitimate which, given the distant and tumultuous relationship he and his father had, this revelation made sense, even if it was incorrect. Gary's father was a mean man who kept the family moving constantly and answered all of his parenting problems with a razor strop, whip, or belt. Less often, he solved his marital problems the same way, but the couple did scream and verbally abuse one another in the presence of their children. Their favorite way to make the other angry was to defame the other's religion and, on some occasions, threatened to kill each other while they slept. By 1950, the Gilmore family had settled in Portland, Oregon, and Gary settled into a life of petty crime. He was a smart boy who had a high IQ and scored high on aptitude and achievement tests. But with the life he was being raised in, the fact that he used his intelligence for crime was unsurprising. He dropped out of school when he was in the ninth grade, ran away to live with a friend in Texas, and then returned home to Portland after just a few months. A few years later, at just 14, Gary and a few friends started a small car theft ring, an activity that earned him his first arrest. He was released, but just two weeks later, ended up back in court. This time, he was sent to a reform school for a year, sent home, arrested again in 1960 for these same charges, and sent to prison. While in a jail cell in Portland for driving without a license in 1962, a guard informed Gary that his father had succumbed to lung cancer, a disease he was diagnosed with a year before. Despite their troubled relationship, Gary was distraught that his father had died without him by his side. He tried to end his life that night. Once he was released and with his father gone, Gary completely went off the rails. His petty charges started to escalate to more serious assault and robbery charges, ended up serving a prolonged prison sentence of 15 years as a habitual offender, and spent most of his days drinking himself to death. While in prison, he was diagnosed by a psychiatrist with antisocial personality disorder with intermittent psychotic decompensation, 
but was granted a conditional release in 1972 to live weekdays in a halfway home in Eugene, Oregon, and even allowed to study art at a local community college. Within a month, he was unsurprisingly rearrested and sent to a maximum security facility in Marion, Illinois. He was conditionally paroled in 1976 and moved to Provo, Utah to live with a cousin who was trying to help him find work. There, he met a woman named Nicole Baker, a 19-year-old widow, and the pair had two children together. But like most things in Gary's life, even this soon began to sour. By this point in his life, Gary was just 35 years old and had spent half of his life incarcerated. And in July of 1976, he was ready to escalate his crimes once again. On July 19, 1976, Gary Gilmore robbed and murdered a gas station employee named Max Jensen in Orem, Utah. The next night, he did the very same thing to a motel manager in Provo named Benny Bushnell. Both men complied with his demands in an attempt to save their own lives. Both men were ordered to lie on the ground, and both men were shot in the back of the head with a 22 caliber pistol. Both men left behind wives and infants. After he took Benny Bushnell's life, he tried to dispose of the murder weapon and accidentally shot himself in the right hand, leaving a trail of blood leading to the service garage where he left his truck to be repaired before the murder. A mechanic at the garage witnessed Gary hiding the gun and noticed his poorly bandaged hand, but thought nothing of it until he heard about the motel shooting on the police scanner. Once he heard that, he knew the man who was at the garage had something to do with it and called police. But he wasn't the only one who called in with a suspicion about Gary Gilmore. His own cousin, the one he was living with, also called police after he called her looking for bandages and painkillers for his hand. The Utah police arrested him as he tried to leave Provo. Gary Gilmore was charged with the murder of both Max Jensen and Benny Bushnell. Unfortunately, the Jensen murder, which had no witnesses, was never brought to trial. The Bushnell trial began on October 5, 1976 and lasted two days. Witnesses, like a motel guest, were able to place him at the motel prior to the murder, and the witness for the garage, as well as the bloody trail matching his DNA, put him where the gun was hidden and with a serious injury. And when given the chance, Gary's court-appointed lawyers rested without calling any witnesses for the defense. Gary was furious, and the following day asked the judge if he could testify in his own defense arguing that his disassociation was a good case for insanity. His attorneys presented findings from various psychiatrists stating that while alcohol or drugs could exasperate his conditions, he was completely aware of his actions and not a candidate for the insanity plea. Gary withdrew his request and came to terms with the fact that, given the information presented at court, there was no way he was going to get let out this time. On October 7, 1976, the jury came back with a guilty verdict and, later, unanimously recommended the death penalty. Gary did not pursue any appeals, though his mother tried unsuccessfully on his behalf. After a number of stays of execution against his will, Gary Gilmore chose firing squad as his method of execution. On January 17, 1977, at 8.07 a.m., Gary Gilmore became the first person in almost 10 years to be executed in the United States. 
He spent the night before his death surrounded by friends and family, and was even smuggled three small bottles of Jack Daniels by an uncle wanting to help settle his nerves. His last words as he was tied to a chair waiting for the bullets was, let's do it. After his death at his request, Gary's organs were donated to those who needed a transplant. And within hours of his execution, two people received his corneas. His execution and the donation of his eyes became the source of a number of cultural references at the time. He was referenced in an SNL skit, had a song written called Gary Gilmore's Eyes, and had a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel written about his life that later became an Emmy Award-winning movie. Oh, and if his last words sound familiar at all, think of them next time you watch an advertisement for Nike. Yes, his final words were the inspiration for the famous slogan. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.